Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another action-packed episode of O. Jeremiah Talks. I'm shaking it up today. I am interviewing the first producer we ever worked with. I'm taking it back nine years. No, probably not nine years. Probably like seven years, if I was more honest. The guy that recorded Happy Now the first time we recorded, the guy that I met for the first time said, I, th- I think this could work for you. He was an encouragement to us. He's been a friend of ours from the very beginning of our career. I wanted to check in. I wanted to know his story. I wanted to know how he's handling COVID. And I wanted to just just see my friend. Uh, he's, he's in Madison, Mississippi. He works out of Jackson, Mississippi. And he is so important to our career. His name is Casey Cumbus, and he's awesome. Uh, if you want more stuff like this, head over to our Patreon page. Uh, I'm doing a solo podcast today, but there is a ton of content on there. We're talking uh, more episodes of the podcast. Aaron does a solo podcast, and we have exclusive music, all kinds of stuff. It's all happening on Patreon right now. So go to ogeremiahtalks.com or patreon.com slash ogeremiah. Let's go. I wanted to be you talking on the intro. I don't feel together. Yeah. It's so good to see you. It feels like you're in the room with me. That's how good oh, your camera awesome. and stuff. Yeah, Sweet, it feels like man. you're in my apartment right now, man. It's really great. It's <laughs> awesome. I'm not so wearing shorts. I'm, Is that okay in your apartment? No, no, uh, no. That's we we encourage it. The less the less the closer the better. Uh, dude, I haven't seen you in person in what feels like at least two years. Yeah, it's been that a has bit. to that has to be true. I think our our last local show in town was two years ago. Wow, that's crazy. That's man. that it's it's wild. We um, you know, when COVID hit, we canceled I think forty dates, and that was two Gosh. years ago. Just about is what it feels like. That's like, crazy all, to say two years ago, like that that much yeah. time has elapsed, like twelve. Yeah, when you think about I, because you know we all went through all the cycles of grief when COVID started, where we're like, oh, this is only going to be two weeks. It's going to be a great vacation, and then you're like, oh wait, they're saying 2021, and now we're like, hopefully by 2024. We don't know, right. you know. Yeah. But I've been really interested as of late, and this is the beginning of this is the beginning of my interest coming into fruition. I guess I have been very interested in how my brothers and sisters in music have dealt and adapted to COVID, and you are one of the more innovative, uh, roll with the punches creatives that I've ever met. Like I thank you, like, It's very you, kind. You've done. You've been really great at being like, oh, th- this is what we do, but we also do this because we're realistic about what the future is looking like. Mm-hmm. You, you, um, you do not spend a lot of time wallowing. I will say that. Like you're like, no, no, that's where it's going. Let's move. Let you can complain <laughs> or you can get on the bus. You know what I mean? So I would love to hear your experience over COVID. I would love to introduce you because I think we jumped into this because I just got overwhelmed with love seeing your beautiful <laughs> face on my computer. Uh, so you're, can you just introduce yourself? Let's start there. Sure. My name's Casey Cumbest. Uh, I live in Madison, Mississippi, and work in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, sort of the middle of the state of Mississippi. Uh, born and raised here. Uh, the easiest way to quantify what I do is I help people tell their stories. Uh, about 10 years ago, I started a recording studio, which is how I met you and Aaron. 
And then uh, after a few years, my wife and I started having kids and uh, I still produce records and still work on records, but we have a a great uh, producer who runs the day-to-day of that business. And so I started a podcasting service and uh, we service about 30 companies across the country. And then the last couple of years, a buddy and I have gone into a partnership called Common House Productions where we do video for businesses. So sort of have the uh, creative arm that serves musicians and things like that. And then the business facing side, which is podcast and video, but, but all of it boiled down, uh, is helping people to tell their stories. Yeah. And I think, I think that's amazing. Uh, whenever you talk, I I feel like there's very rarely a time when you can be talking about music and business at the same time and it not be icky. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I, f- I feel like there aren't a lot of spaces where you can go, oh, here's how we can serve people with music or here's how we can serve people in a creative way. Um, what when did you learn to get comfortable with those conversations? I, I don't know that I fully am. I mean, there's still oh. times where I'm a little guarded. You know, if I'm talking to someone for the first time and they're a musician, uh I've got to be really, I feel like I've got to be a little careful uh, at first about like, yeah, we have, you know, this other business that's very, not corporate, but, you know, very much serving uh, businesses. So I don't know that I'm completely comfortable with it right off the bat with people, but I think for me, and I've heard other people echo this sentiment, I think at heart, kind of looking back, I'm an entrepreneur, but music was sort of the playground that I wanted to play on to to kind of express that uh, craft, so to say. And so, yeah, I I think I'm getting a little more comfortable with it over the years uh, in in a balanced way. I think at first I was like, oh, crap, music. Like, we can't neglect the business side. Come on, everybody. Care about business. Care about business. And then I'm just this, like, crazy person out there, and people are like, we just want to make art, man. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. And so I feel like I've found a healthier place where if someone wants to talk about the business side of music or, or business side of anything, uh, I'm happy to talk about it, but I, I think I used to probably using a pool metaphor. Like I would jump in the deep end with with folks and take them with me. Now I'm like, hey, let's go in the shallow end. Let's get to know each other. No, and if sure. you want to talk about art, cool. Let's do that. So. Well, very rarely, and I don't know if about for you, but in my personal life, rarely does business come up in a positive way. Yeah. You know, it's usually like it's like we're usually talking about the shape of Jeff Bezos's rocket. Like it's never, <laughs> it's never like, oh, it's really great how this business is helping this. Thing, but I remember for us, you are essentially the guy that started our career in so that many is ways. Way too big of a comment. No, no, it dude. is no. no. Uh, that is not true. Um, there was an artist that reached out to us. She just got done working with you, and she said, "Hey, um, I just met Casey Cumbest. How would like what was your experience?" Blah 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 blah. And I told her the same thing I'm about to tell you, which is, if not for Casey, I'm not convinced we would be where we are. And we're not, you know, we're not. That is really kind, Jeremiah. Yeah, you're not. We're not the Avid brothers, but everyone needs someone to go. I see you. Here's how I think I can help. I think that is a crystallizing moment for every artist. And I think for us, that person was you. And a lot of that was. You, there was a specific conversation that you and I had that I think about all the time. And you said, who is an artist that has your audience? And at the time I said, oh, I mean, duh, the Lumineers. And then that was on like a a Thursday. And then on Friday I saw you again because we were either in a session or something. 
And I said, hey, I, I, I want to revisit that question again, because I think a more specific answer would be Josh Ritter, because it's not quite as wide as the Lumineers, but it's people similar, but more narrow. Or anyway, it was that's that's neither here nor there. But I remember we had an hour long discussion on why that was important to know, because you need to find your people and give them what you have to offer. But I had never considered that as an artist. I was like, we're so good that everyone's going to like us, which you is know? true, which is true. But no, it's not, though. <laughs> like, you know, there are some people that are like, yeah, Dua Lipa sucks. And she's amazing. You know, like yeah, no one right. can please yeah. everybody. So that's you were the first person in helping us define our market. Like, Thanks, man. Wow. what are, what are the outlets to do that? You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of the conversations that you helped us have for the first time. Thank you, Jeremiah. That's very humbling, man. Wow. So how do you... Can we just end the interview there? Because I feel like I can't... Oh, I haven't even been recording, dude. (laughs) So I I think... uh, So that... Where do you see yourself in an artist on the ground floor? Because I remember how it used to be. I haven't been in your studio in a while, but since you've like done more podcasting, but whenever you get with an artist or if you get with a podcaster or a, a business to help podcast, like, how do you start? Yeah, I mean, I think they, as uh, reductionistic, reductionistic as it could sound, <laughs> I mean, I think it all starts the same. Like, what what do you want to do? And I think maybe that's my question early on. I should have asked more instead of what do I want to do with you or what I want right. to do for your music just hearing the artist out and it kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier and just sometimes diving in the deep end too soon because I didn't take time to learn like, Oh, they're just trying to get these songs recorded. Like that's all they want. And that's great. Uh, and then sometimes we walk into a conversation or I walk into a conversation and it's like, Hey, I've been doing this for a little while. I really want to take that next step. Can you help me see what that looks like? Can you help me imagine that? Can you help me to put the pieces together? Um, so yeah, I think it all starts, uh, whether it's on the business front or music, with that question, like what what can we help you achieve? What what do you want to accomplish? And and then the privilege of getting to walk alongside people in that process and really listening to them that that's the fun part. Yeah, and I I think that you do a really great job seeing a, an artist for what they are, and it is like, hey, let's define your goals. Let's see how we get there. Is it was it hard for you at the beginning? Or is it hard now to not go, yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but I hear this. Like, as yeah. a producer, do you feel like you want to throw your your voice onto something, maybe? Like, how do you, how do you, yeah. how do you fight that? Yeah, I don't know. And, you know, part of me wonders, Jeremiah, if later in life, as my career grows, that I'll have more of that clout to be able to say, okay, you're telling me A, but E over here is what we really need to be doing. And is yep. that okay? Like, that's the way right. I would love to think that I'm going to approach it later. But it's so funny, man. I think over the years that even more so I'm doing, I'm doing less of that and more of that. Like, well, what do you want? What can we help you figure out? And and helping people to put language to uh, what they want. I've, I've found a lot of times people might be able to point to a reference or an artist, but they're not really sure. Like, how they fit in that puzzle, you know? And so helping them to uncrack uh, that nut of like, okay, this is what you want, but this is kind of naturally who you are. Like, okay, if, if 
for example, if it's a artist and they're like, I just want to, you know, be this big ballad artist that can sing these huge notes and break chandeliers or something like that. And then you hear them sing and it's like, they, they have something great about their voice, but it's just not that. Uh, I think you've, you've got to navigate gracefully how to help them to see that. And, and, and I will say, you know, sometimes like I've tried to do that. And I think as I've become more comfortable in my skin and like, being able to say it in a way that's loving and kind of like, Hey, Susie, you're great. Uh, but I, th- I think you're misreading this a little bit. Uh, but also being comfortable with them looking back at me and saying, no, you're stupid. I'm going to do this and being like, okay, cool. Let's go <laughs> record some drums and get yeah. your project started. You know, cause some, <laughs> Which is, some people like don't want to see the truth. Yeah. Like yeah. some people want like, no, no, I don't even need you to get it. I just need you to hit the button and right. I need you to let me, <laughs> I need you to let me yeah. wail in whatever key is going to come out. Like that's right. That's right. That is and one I, thing. But if you see an opportunity to be like, Hey, I feel like I can see you yeah. and I feel like together we can get there. And you're, you feel comfortable being like, here, here's what's working. Here's what's not. You feel like you can navigate those two things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, and even if it gets awkward, I feel like, uh, the Lord is, bless me with a personality to kind of be able to get out of that awkwardness, you know, and break sure. the, break the weirdness of, if it, if I've pushed too far, like, Hey, I really think you should do this. And if I'm being too adamant or not, not even too adamant, but I'm, I believe in what I'm saying and, and it's just not getting across. Like I feel like sometimes we're able to still meet in the middle and, and find a cool spot to go. That's awesome. So what made you make the conscious decision to pivot from I record artists to I record artists and businesses doing podcast. What was the decision there? Yeah. Um, I think there were a few catalyst moments. Uh, one would be getting, uh, we have three kids now, uh, a mm. six year old little girl named Addison, a three year old little boy named Clark, and then a new uh, little boy named Patrick, who's four months old. And when we had got pregnant with Addison, it was sort of that moment of like, Hey, this is really great, but I am constantly trading time for money. And not not that there's anything wrong with that, but I mean, at the time when the studio was rolling and and, and Ryan, my wife, uh, saw the two, two blue lines that she was pregnant. I mean, I was working 70 hours most weeks and I was kind of wearing out, man. Like it was burning me out. I wasn't as fresh when I would come into projects. I wasn't giving people what I I wanted to. And I was like, man, I really need to, I need to step out of the day to day to this and and at least try to find a revenue that doesn't correlate as strongly with time for money. And so, uh, at the time, uh, I had seen what happened with social media in the early two thousands. Uh, these businesses looked up and said, Oh wait, all of our customers are there. We should, we should care about that and we should be on there. Uh, and I saw the rise of podcasting, uh, but we were really, really early to the market. The first two years, I, I told somebody this last week when we were talking about it, we had two clients our first two years. That's scary. That would be a failure in most people's book. And so, you know, when we looked up after two years and I was like, man, we have two clients they are great, but this is just not growing and not doing the thing it needs to do. Uh, I, I still felt this strong urge to stay the course and look up now and and see what's happened uh it's easy to look back and see we were just early to market we were early to the trend that was coming and and in a lot of ways i think we're just getting to the cusp of that where businesses are seeing the value of podcasting but uh as superficial as it may be i think the answer to the question is uh is having you know more uh freedom and money 
uh, to no, be no, able to I, do what I want to do. Love, I love an honest question. And the older I get, the more I'm like, can we not pretend like we all need to make money? You know, like, because <laughs> yeah. at the beginning, I legitimately used to tell people, like, I will be homeless if I have to be. But, I, like, I, all I need is a song and nothing. And it's just not true. Um, right, yeah. Because health insurance rocks. Like, it, it, you know, yeah. that, it really does. Um, but I, I did have a romantic notion that you listened to Serial when it came out and you said, I can be Sarah Koenig. But I love the <laughs> idea that it was le- legitimately just, oh, no, no, I have to keep the lights on. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think. And I mean, that's great. Uh, yeah, and there was definitely some love. I mean, for for me, a, a lot of the ways I learned about business because I studied sociology in college, which is not all that helpful for running a recording <laughs> studio or a business, contrary to popular belief. Yeah, so you uh, wouldn't you yeah. wouldn't recommend double majoring? I get it. No, it's fine. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, I looked up in my mid twenties and I was like, Oh man, entrepreneurship, this is what I really want to do. I want to do something in this realm, small business, that kind of thing. And, uh, and, and a lot of the ways that I learned what I know today were, were through podcasts, were through the access I had to these amazing leaders and not even, uh, just their knowledge in a, I guess, big paradigm kind of way, but also a contextualized way because it's happening currently. It's not a book they wrote five years ago. It's not right. something that they, a talk they did 20 years ago. Uh, although those things are, are great too. It's like, it's current. It's they're seeing the landscape that I'm seeing at this moment and I'm hearing their thoughts on it. And so, it, you know, it, there was some sentimental value too of podcasting as a platform because it is such a, a cool platform to give you access to, to folks that you normally wouldn't be able to talk to. Yeah, you you said something that I that I found profound, and I'd love to unpack that a little bit. You said in the first two years you only had two clients. What is the spark inside you? This is a two part question. What is the spark inside you that can go that that is arbitrary? I see the bigger picture. If we stay the course, we will reach paradise. And what is the practical boots on the ground? How do you how do you navigate it? Like, did you pivot? Did you did you readjust, or did you literally just say no? It's gonna come. I think with other ventures and and other things I've done, there have been some quick pivots. There have been some pivots halfway through the journey, or after a few years seeing that pivot. Uh, for podcasting, though, I I really just felt as I would pray and seek the Lord, not to over spiritualize it or anything. Uh, just that I needed to stay the course, that we needed to, you know, keep the lines out in the water because the wave was coming. It just didn't, it just wasn't there yet. Sure. Uh, but, you know, in a lot of ways, being early, uh, there's an old uh, adage here, and and I think it's true. I, can't, I wish I'm going to botch it because I'm terrible at, like, cliches and stuff like this, but it's something like uh, pioneers get sl- slaughtered, settlers find gold or something like that. Okay. Uh, but, you know, just when you're early to market, like, that's great, but usually you're who's going to go out of business, and then the next person is going to be the person who uh, has a lot of success. That's probably really wrong. If you if you're familiar with that cliche or old adage right now, and you're cringing, I'm really sorry. No, no, but it's I, still lo- true. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. No, I loved it. Um, and so I, you know, I just felt some of that. I was like, man, we've paid our dues. Like I didn't want to give up this far in. It, it certainly was a little bit of that uh, gambler's fallacy of like, crap, we've put two years into this. We've learned a lot of hard lessons. Like what would it hurt to stay here a little bit longer? And, and, uh, I feel like in music that happens a lot. You know, there's a lot of artists who are diligent, diligently working for years. And then for some reason, they're just crazy enough to stick with it. And, uh, 
something big happens, you know, and so. Well, I, I, yeah, I think I for us, had you told me we'd be eight, nine years into our career in the middle of a pandemic, I'd be like, I don't know if and, and be where we are. Like, I, had you told me, what do you think your career is going to be nine years from now? I'm like, uh, well, Red Rocks on Monday, um, the Hollywood Bowl <laughs> on Tuesday. All right, but, duh. Yeah, come on. But it's like, oh, we sold 50 tickets in Colorado. That's a big deal for us. You know what I mean? Um, had you told me that, I would have been like, oh, that sounds like miserable. But it's not because it's just you're reinventing your expectations in real time because you didn't know enough. Now you yeah. know enough. Do you still are you still interested? Like, do you now that you know what you know, are you still going to show up? And there's beauty mm. in showing up still. Like yeah. there's be- like That's when a word, the man. yeah when the perfect image crumbles. If you like if you're willing to stay there, there's still beauty in it. It just it's yeah. not the thing you thought it would be. I want to go back to the first time we met. We were in the session. We were working on Happy Now, and you said something that I that I have not forgotten. And you were talking about you had coffee with some guy, and you were really cheesed off about it. And uh, I was like, "Dude, you seem like you're like bummed." And you're like, "Dude, I got coffee with this guy," and he made this little comment, and I knew it wasn't nice. But he said, "Yeah, whenever you're ready to sell your studio, I'll take all the gear." Oh my and, gosh! And dude. I still I still remember that. <laughs> And I don't know what his name was. I don't know what he did for a living. Yeah. But I just want to encourage you that that conversation was nine years ago. That's and, crazy, bro. I have not thought. I probably like that haunted me. So I probably put it away in the dark recesses of my mind. But, but wow, think about that. It's awesome. Yeah. Even the little heart things like that could derail anybody. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you expect everyone to be on your team. I remember when I was 18 and I said, I'm going to be a musician. Everybody was like, yeah, woo. But when I turned 28, it stopped being cute to people. They were like, <laughs> how are you going to pay bills, fam? Like, it's it's discouraging. So there is an art to just showing up. Like, yeah, yeah your friends are going to become dentists. Like, how are you going to deal with that? Like, they're going to pull yeah. up in a Rolls Royce and your Camry is going to pull up beside them. You know what I mean? Like, how do you deal with that? And I think that's an art form in itself. Yeah. And, and I think there's so much uh, truth in what you said, too, of just showing up and the value of that. And, you know, for I don't I don't know uh, your, your audience for the podcast, but if you are just kind of in that grind mode which you know it's like you sort of go through phases where you're I hate that word grind but you're just trying to make something happen and you don't see any results and then something happens and then you're at this new plateau and you're kind of doing that same cycle but it's easy to kind of get stuck in that plateau and feel like you're not moving but just an encouragement like man there's so much truth what Jeremiah just said just keep showing up keep doing those things that you know you need to be doing and the results uh, the results will come, but I also love the the other side of what you said, Jeremiah. I've just fallen in. I don't know if you said this this way, but for me, I've I've fallen in love with different expectations the older I got. Because yeah. in my early twenties, I was like, you know, when I'm successful, dot 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 will happen, and yes. it will feel like dot dot dot. And on the other side of that, I'm like, which I don't know that I would say I'm like crazy successful or anything, but I mean. You're literally I'm wagging so... diamond wings at me. It's it's insane. <laughs> it's, it's, okay. Sorry, go ahead. I got these at a pawn shop. What do you think? <laughs> uh, but you know, it's like it just it feels so much different. What I where I thought I would be ten years ago is so much different, 
and I'm happy about it. Like I'm enjoying that. And, no, I think uh, that's great, man. Yeah, that's a great point you made, man. Good stuff. Well, I I have this tendency. Um, I don't think you and I have ever actually talked about the Enneagram. I, it's a big part of of my life. It's it's especially over pandemic. It's been so helpful for for me in navigating yeah. like this identity crisis and this like shift in my life. But at this point, before I had the Enneagram, I got kind of obsessed with self-help books like i got like i needed a self-help book on how to get off self-help books i was like obsessed what, would you read tell me one of your favorites during that season uh, the war of art is my favorite oh, gosh that is so the good. best one stephen yeah. pressfield yes if so you're gonna good. read one book on creativity that's the one like yep. i think that's the one uh bird by bird have, was really good have, have lo- you ever listened to stephen pressfield's story no dude he, i think he was on the tim ferris show maybe six months ago completely worth a listen like okay it no, was that's a good way different than i thought it would be no that's uh, a great word anyways. but that so that's the one because all of them were if you want it you got to put in the work you got to show up sit in the chair whatever but then so i'm reading all these books and I'll, i keep saying like yes i just have to i have to put all the critics out of my mind and i just have to sit in the chair and it will come and then i got to elizabeth gilbert's big magic have you read this one mm, no okay this one says, hey, it may never come. Like, but you showed up because you liked this. Don't let some imaginary dream keep you from liking this. Mm. Like, what if you stay a teacher that paints on the weekends or whatever? And that has helped me so much because it's so easy to forget that the reason you picked this is because this was the first thing that said, oh, I could live forever if I'm doing this. But for whatever reason, we get wrapped up in the, but he's got that. I want that. And it takes all the joy out of it. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That comparison is a, is a thief of joy for sure. What, what was that book called? I'm going to uh, send myself it's, a it's called it. It's called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And it, it's, it's more of like a, um, I don't know, there's some like far out parts of it, but from a practical experience, for me, it's been really helpful. I'm at that point in my career where we're either going to be Nate Bergazzi, where we get discovered when we're 40, or I'm going to be the guy that never gets discovered, but I've got a lot of really good stories to tell. And both of those are great people to be. You know what I mean? Like, Especially and, if you're on the way to doing that, you're doing what you love. Yeah. Like if you... I, I've learned over COVID, it's like you you don't stand a chance of being known locked in your apartment. Like, hmm. w- so what is the thing that makes you want to wake up in the morning? And I've learned that the thing I love is the thing I've always loved, which is writing songs. And it, you don't have to be successful to do that. So let's re let's reimagine our relationship to success. Let's change how we view that and and get back to enjoying this thing that we used to love. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I have this, uh, I, I have no ambitions to write a book, but if I did, uh, I really, I would love to know your thoughts on this. I don't know what you want to talk about. I'm sorry if I'm like derailing this conversation. I'm having a blast. No, it's, I'm okay, having okay, a okay, blast. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Tell me if we need to stay on ta- task. No, uh, no, no. So I, I can't think of a title for it, which is probably a good sign not to write it, but I would love to write a book about what motivates people. Um, for me early on, like, I, I, I kind of I think if I wrote the book it would be something like fire and ice and so the idea is like early on this fire is inside of you motivating you driving you and a lot of times that's fear uh, fear of embarrassment fear of you know not achieving not becoming what you want um, 
it kind of like maybe not i think you could almost quantify it as some negative drivers but not necessarily bad like you know there are things that drive you and then if if we're healthy at some point there's uh, something pulling us to the person we can become instead of pushing us forward you know it's like pulling us and the motivators are so different um I'd be curious to hear, like, have have you felt a shift over the years with what motivates you to to do what you do, Jeremiah? That is a that is a very great question. It's a very timely question. Um, so the thing that motivated me to start pursuing music in the first place was I got fired from a job that I did not want, and I got fired three days before Christmas on a date with Aaron. She called me and fired me over the phone on, at dinner with Aaron. And I said, I'm never getting a job again. I'm only playing music because I'm going to die one day and I want to die happy. And then I was broke for four years. <laughs> and uh, it was awesome. Like, I mean, I have so many great memories from that time. And I have great memories of love. Like, I fell in love with this girl on the road. We were broke. We got married. We were broke. We had all these great stories. And it was awesome. And then I realized that, like, I, I've got to figure this out. Like, we got to like we got a plan for a future and I realized that like I started comparing myself to other people and I started like realizing like oh this hasn't been fun for me for like two years what's happened oh wow and it it helped me to have a wife that does not identify as a musician even though she is the most talented person that I know she does she could take or leave it sometimes like she is amazing, but she's so pure in it where she's just like, yeah, I'm not the thing I do. I'm the thing that I am. And it is so humbling to be around someone that is so, like after a show, right. someone will come up and be like, why don't you sing more? And she'll go, because I don't want to. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I wish I had that kind of courage. But um, now over COVID, I had a huge identity crisis because right when I started falling in love with it again and figuring out that this is what I've wanted my life to be and it is a joy it got taken from me Hmm. and then i had to get a day job and it made me realize everything i was taking for granted every single thing every great show i spent more time being like well this band has a million streams and i realized like dude you've been missing it this whole time and you don't deserve it if you if you spend all your time groveling you know And I've learned that money is not the motivator for me. What motivates me is freedom. So I'm an Enneagram 7. Like, I want freedom all the time. Like, I want joy and I want adventure. And now Aaron and I are talking about getting an RV and, like, just just going and looking for just adventure and fun and whatever, you know. We've been cooped up for two years, and now we're now we get to reap the rewards of that. So for me, it is I want to live a fruitful life that is surrounded by people I love and good stories to tell. And that's my big motivator. And the vessel for that is like telling stories through music at shows, all these other things like music has just been such a gift in finding joy for me. That's awesome, man. Yeah. What are you? Okay. That makes sense. So what are you? What are you? I don't think I know. Uh, A three. So I'm kind of late to the Enneagram. uh, Oh, okay. Train a little bit. Uh, my wife and I maybe last summer we did the audio book on the way home from vacation, and yeah, it was really helpful. Uh, I kind of don't don't know why I waited so long to 
to research it and find out more about it. And, and, and even uh, hiring and having people on our team here is it's been really helpful to, to kind of know people's personalities a little better. Yeah, I remember whenever it was introduced to us like five years ago, I remember rolling my eyes at it and then taking the <laughs> right. test. And then like I've had my ups and downs with it, like people, you know, using it against me, people like thinking they know me more than they do because of it. But over pandemic, it's been especially helpful because I've been experiencing grief in a way that I've never known. So I had an experience where I almost drowned a month ago. I know. Gross. Sorry. Wow. That, yeah, it was really it was really rough. And I've been trying to figure out why it affected me so much. Obviously, it affected me, but like in a way that I've never experienced. Yeah. And I like through like listening to these Enneagram podcasts on the seven, because I was, I was just like looking to figure out, like, I feel like it undid the, like the chemistry in my brain somehow. Hmm. And I learned that sevens are always looking for a silver lining. And for the first time I couldn't find one. And cause like, what is the good part about almost drowning in a lake right. in front of your <laughs> right. mother-in-law? Like nothing. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the Enneagram gave me language to, to sift through those things. So I'm a big proponent of the Enneagram. I'm also a big proponent of therapy. Like therapy is like a gift in itself, you know? Hmm. Um, but it's just, I, I think for me, it's, it's a good starting point for wholeness. Like it is definitely not the guiding light, but it is definitely something that can point you in the right direction. Of, yeah, yeah. Oh, if you're, if you're struggling, maybe this is part of it, you know? Yeah. And I feel as, like anything that helps you is a tool that helps you know yourself better or, and those around you. Is, yeah, is for sure. A good thing. So yeah. what is the thing that motivates you to wake up nine years in? Because I think we started around the same time. Yeah, uh, yeah. What is the thing that motivates you waking up? Uh, is, it, is it the kiddos? Is it knowing that you got to put – is that still the thing? Hmm. Uh, that's a good question. This is going to sound so like cheesy, but it's true. I think at this point, I mean, obviously there's the peripheral like financial side, like, hey, let's keep this going. Let's see what it could become. I think I'm also like super curious about who I can become as I oh, continue down this that journey. That wasn't like, nearly as cheesy as I thought it was going to be. That was actually kind of <laughs> nice. I liked that. Um, you know, I just, I, I've. I looked up, last year was kind of a, as crazy as COVID was, it was kind of a big year for me. Like a lot of the markers that I set out to to achieve at some point, you know, I didn't really know when that would be, but like we did it 10 years in and I was like, holy smokes, like that's crazy. And I, I sort of had this, uh, have you ever, have you ever done much hiking, Jeremiah, like uh, Appalachian I mean, Trail or anything like that? I will lose my car keys and walk home, if that's what you okay. mean. <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite, but uh, I've only done uh, one three-day hike, and, and it was sort of, uh, I always tell people it's one of those things, like, it's the best thing I never want to do again. Like, it yeah. was a blast, but I don't want to do it again. No, sure. But uh, you, you had these moments where you, you work most of the day to get to this crest of a mountain, and you're looking over when you finally arrive. You're exhausted, and you're like, man, we're, we're here, we did this, and you enjoy that beauty of the surroundings and you're just kind of looking around and at some point in there you have this moment of like all right well let's go like what do we do now what's next and so that was kind of what 2020 was for me like just okay I've achieved a lot of these things I wanted to achieve I've I've become this person that I wanted to become like let's enjoy this view but 
after a little while, I was kind of getting antsy. I was like, what, what's next? And I feel like all the goals and things that I've thought through over the next season of life are, are more becoming goals than, than like achieving, you know, there, who, mm-hmm. who can I become through this achievement? Because I know to do fill in the blank, I'm going to have to be a completely different person, you know? No, sure. And so, uh, so I think that's, what's driving me now is like, man, who, who could I become if I stay the course and stay diligent and continue to work and, and grow and, uh, continue to choose fun obstacles and fun problems to solve, to put in front of me. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's, what's driving me these days, less about fear and that's that kind of thing. That's great, man. Do you, uh, do you find yourself, uh, I know you said you have a team of like in the studio with producers and stuff. Do you find yourself, uh, like becoming the thing you want to be more working with businesses or working with artists? Like, is it, is there like a part of that experience that, that bears more fruit than the other? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I think the problems are, are different for each one, but they're still similar in so many ways. It's still that, that simple question of like, what do they want and how can I help them get there? Uh, a, a kind of a weird illustration to, to kind of do this, but a lot of times with artists, after you work with them for a little while, you'll learn that, I mean, yeah, they want to be successful. Yes, they want to have a great record, but they really just want to impress their friends with their music. You know, they mm-hmm. won't say it that way. They won't no, paint sure. that picture and they let don't you even, know that. They but, may not even yeah, know They that don't themselves. even realize. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, you know, the business side is, is equally as true as, like, we might help a company to launch and grow a successful podcast and it's not so much that they want the person I'm working with wants to have uh, more revenue for the company. I mean, sure, that's great, but it's that they want to impress their boss. You know, yeah. they want their boss to be like, "Good job, Steve! <laughs> like you, you did this." Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, I think uh, it, it, they both go back down to that question of like, "What does somebody want, and how can I help them achieve that?" Uh, there's a, a a guy I used to listen to a lot, Zig Ziglar. He's actually from uh, Mississippi. Like, he's kind of like the granddad of like motivational speaking and I stuff love like that. that i love that there's uh, a granddad to that okay dude continue. he's he's awesome i'm just saying if you ever listen to I it picture i picture mean, like a 90 year old tony robbins just <laughs> <laughs> he yeah he, he passed away a few years ago actually and uh man he, he's just a a, a cool dude like uh, everything i listen to i'm like it's cheesy but it's so good but he has a great quote that i heard early on that uh continues to ring true that if you'll you'll help enough people uh, achieve their dream that you'll achieve yours. Oh, and, that's great. Uh, it's so, so true, man. Like I, every time I help somebody make a record they've dreamed about or a podcast or a video, it's like just a step in that journey of like helping them to do what they want to do. Like there's so much gratification and reward for me. You know, no, to that's help great, them man. In that journey. That's awesome. I love that, man. Well, dude, we try to end every episode uh, sharing just one thing that we're super into this week. Like there's oh, so there's okay. so much stuff out there and it's like we've had people say like, oh, I'm super into Craigslist this week because I just got this super cool guitar or, you know, Aaron, Aaron is in school to do nutritional therapy. So every now and then no she's way. that's awesome. Yeah. So she's like, oh, cool. oh, I learned this thing about peptides. And I'm like, OK, well, you're going <laughs> to you're on your own there because I don't even know what that is. So, right, right. Yeah. It's just a really fun way to be like, oh, this is really exciting to me this week. Do you have anything okay. that you're super into this week? Um. Two things, unrelated, if that's okay. That's is, perfect. Is it allowed? No, that's okay. perfect. Uh, I just hit a weight goal that, uh, I, I just hit my weight that I weighed the week we got married, and so I'm really pumped about that. Okay. Uh, I had 
I'd been losing a lot of weight and getting fit, and then freaking COVID, man, I packed on some LBs, dude. It was did, ridiculous. Did you have fun packing it on, though? No, it was miserable. I was so sad about everything. I Well, so it was like this. I would go to the grocery store, and I'm like, hell, this might be the last time I get to go to the grocery store for a couple of weeks. Might as well get, like, two pints of Ben & Jerry's, some yeah. Oreos. Oh, so you sat like, just eating like a crazy sad, person. That's sad yeah. eating, for oh, sure. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. yeah, sad eating. So, yeah, man, real pumped about that. What are, some some that been, what are some of the ways you've been doing it? I just joined CrossFit, and it's been— Oh, nicely. Yeah, it's been— COVID is like fitness is the only thing that went my way in COVID because I okay. I needed control so bad and it was the only thing I could control. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I yeah. did this like online workout in my apartment and then I moved to CrossFit and it's like it was the only thing I could put my hands on and be like, I can do this, you know? Yeah. So for now you, I get that. Man. What got you it. what got you out of it? Like what got you to where you uh, wanted to go? So I did this really I would strongly recommend anyone I don't know, early 40s, late 30s to do this uh, if you have heart disease that runs in your family. But I did a thing called a calcium test. It cost $100, like super cheap. And they scan your heart and they kind of tell you like how much calcium buildup, which is what clogs your arteries and makes you eventually oh, have a heart I didn't attack. Know that. Wow. Yes, yeah, super interesting. And they do some other tests on your heart, but that's the one that's like really revealing. And so, you know, they told me that I have a great heart for a 50 year old and I'm 37. So I was like, <laughs> okay, need to make some big changes. And so, and a lot of that honestly is just going back to like my 20s and building the business, not sleeping, being stressed out you know, just going a hundred miles an hour. I think if I would have calmed down, that would have been good. So yeah, that was kind of an eye opener of like, Hey, if I don't do this, like I'm going to be the guy that's like having heart caths put in in his forties and early fifties. And I don't want to be that guy. Uh, so yeah, that you was only, kind of a big you only have to be told that once. Yeah. yeah. If you're lucky. So, yeah. That's yeah, it. that's well, right. Well, I'm yeah. glad to hear that, so, man. That sounds great, dude. Uh, uh no, so what's your, se- yeah. Yeah. Second thing. Uh, so I, I'm kind of on this refining kick of like what I'm listening to and watching being a little more not wholesome in the way that there's like, I don't know, like it's just a little more heartwarming and redemptive in the stories. So Ted Lasso. Yeah. So that's airing right now. (laughs) Uh, Love Ted Lasso. But I've also kind of, you know, that kind of was the catalyst for like, what, uh, what are some other shows that are like that? And so we've been watching Downton Abbey, which I, I didn't watch when it was airing. But uh, man, such a great heartwarming show. Like I've really enjoyed that one. So yeah, can you, those can would you be still, my two that can you still I'm into hear me? this week. Yeah, I can still okay, hear cool. you. Okay, cool. My camera just died. No, that's great. So yeah, no, Downton Abbey is 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 lighthearted. Oh, dude, it's so well. I wouldn't say it's lighthearted, but it's very redemptive. Like, uh, yeah, I I would give it a watch, man. Like, uh, very enjoyable. No, that sounds great, man. Uh, I. Uh, I'm at because I love Ted Lasso. I got swept up in it like everybody else did. It's I think so Jason Sudeikis with a mustache is the hero we didn't know we deserved. <laughs> but I, COVID made me go, okay, it's so depressing. Why am I watching Breaking Bad right now? Yeah, like yeah. this is taking something away from me. And Breaking Bad made me go because uh, I I was way late to the train. I watched Breaking Bad in like june of last year like oh wow have you seen it yeah yeah i mean okay so super dark but so so dark there is this one scene in the last season where they shoot a kid in the chest and it's like by the train do you remember what i'm talking about no that's how disheartening the show is that isn't even a blip on your radar gosh It wrecked me so much i said Mm. if i'm gonna give something up for tv it has to give me something back 
and mm. it like Breaking yeah, Bad was statement. not worth what it took. I think so. Yeah. I have found a show like Dave is my uh, show. that is a show I that takes that. the perfect amount and gives me what I need. That's what I okay. love. There are shows like that, yeah, yeah, there are shows like that that I'm like this is the level because I really yeah. love Ted Lasso, but. Uh, I I know that they're only doing three seasons, and I can't. I'm gonna have my heart broken. When oh it really? Ends. Yeah. They're, oh no. Bill Lawrence. Well, Bill Lawrence is the creator, and he said they're only doing three seasons, and that may yeah. change. I don't know, but uh, I know that Ted Lasso is gonna break my heart, and I need to like prepare myself. But yeah, but, but I'm with you, man. It's just like what, especially it, during COVID, you're having a tough time, or I, I was, and I was going home and eating Ben and Jerry's. It's like, why would I? Do this. This is not helping me to watch something that's super depressing. It's not. It's sad. it's so, yeah, breaking you. your heart, dude. Yeah. What are we doing? And there's and so- desensitizing, de- desensitizing you to like stuff. So, anyways, yeah, there. This the- isn't like a focus on the family podcast, but I'm I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, but yeah, uh, Dave is a show. It's it's about Lil Dicky, and he's like an aspiring rap artist. And there are those moments where it gets super dark, but there's also like these huge redemptive moments where you're like, oh, there I is definitely there is definitely a give and a take with TV and sometimes shows are like you can watch a show and be like oh they just put that in like when you watch the first season of Game of Thrones you're like okay you didn't have to do that what are you (laughs) doing but uh, yeah so I would say that the thing that I'm super into is Dave which the season finale that we're about to watch it has been it's been the thing I've been into for the past two weeks because their last episode was like my favorite episode of TV ever it's basically The whole season is this buildup, and the whole episode season is about writer's block. And, like, what does it take to be an artist? Like, what does it take to get out of your head and write from a Hmm. pure place? And, dude, I, like, wept at the end. Because, like, that as an artist, that's what we're all trying to do. Like, we're trying to be like, here's who I am, and here's how I represent that, and I'm getting it out of my head. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. how do you get out of your head and be the thing you know you are? And I just thought that was just so powerful. So Check um, that out. It's it's good stuff, man. Well, Casey Combest, I freaking love you, my dude. I appreciate you coming (laughs) on this podcast. I appreciate you giving me some time. You do look great. Uh, I didn't... Well, thank you. I always feel weird when people tell me that, oh, you lost weight, uh, because it... It's like saying, oh, you got a haircut, and you want to say thanks, but you're like, you, that, you didn't say you liked it. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. And well, the, I appreciate that, man. I thank you for your kind words, dude, and yeah. honored to be on the show. Yeah, man. I'll, uh, I hope I see you very soon. In no person, doubt. no doubt. That's right. All Real right. life. All right, man. See you soon, dude. Thanks, buddy.